Hello, Sunderway Church, and happy Easter. What an amazing and life-changing day that we get to celebrate together. I'm Eric. And I'm Tara. We're so glad you're joining us today. We're going to give you some information to start off our gathering today, but before we do, we want to say hello to a few groups of people. Yeah, we sure do. Welcome to everyone joining us live online this Easter Sunday afternoon, including any watch parties gathered for Easter today. And hello to those of you watching or listening later on in the week. And a very special welcome to any guests joining us for the very first time. We are so happy to have you join us today. Over the next couple of minutes, we will share some information, much of which we talk through every single week. And that's primarily for you, our guests. We want you to feel at home today, even though you're gathering online. And so we'll run through some information to catch you up a little bit. You can also learn more about us on our website. But for now, we'll touch on some things related to your first gathering at Centerway. And even if you typically gather at Centerway, we hope this helps you too. Yeah, if you're gathering live, there are some helpful tabs right on the online platform. You can share information with us and that simply will help us to follow up and get some feedback. You can also explore next steps and find previous messages. And if you call Centerway home and would like an easy way to give, there's a tab to do that too. If you have any questions or you'd like prayer during the gathering, just request prayer and one of our hosts will answer you privately in a separate chat. If you're not on the live platform and instead you're watching or listening to this later on in the week, uh, many of the things that I just mentioned can happen through our website. If you'd like to connect with us after the gathering, if you have questions, feedback, ideas, or need prayer, please email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Besides reaching out via email, there are other ways for you to engage after this gathering. You can check out our social media and make use of the resources on our website. If you visit the messages page, you'll find all our messages, including a kid's message. They can sing songs and they can learn from the same scripture text we do. So you'll be able to discuss the application together. Also on that page are resources related to the messages like images to add to your devices, links to the Spotify playlist for this series, and access to the Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals. If you prefer to receive the devotionals directly to your inbox instead of going to the website, you can subscribe on the Next Steps page. Now here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. Alicia will be reading the scripture text for us, Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then Tara and I will close out our time with some ways to respond in worship. Uh, if you're gathered live online, there are some of us gathering right now in person at this very moment, and we're experiencing a gathering just like you are. Uh, we'll be able to worship through song together since we'll be going live on Facebook and Instagram uh, right from our in-person gathering. So stick around till the end and we'll have some more instructions for you on that. Awesome. Now here's Alicia with the text for today. Good morning, church. I'm Alicia and I'll be reading the scripture for this morning. We're reading Mark chapter 9 verses 42 through 50. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves 
and be at peace with one another. Hello and welcome. My name is Claude and my wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. Excited that you have the opportunity to be with us as we continue in our series, Greater Expectations. Uh, this morning's message is specifically entitled Influence, so Greater Influence Expectations. And this morning is especially uh, exciting and important because it is Resurrection Sunday. Uh, it is Easter morning. And so we're excited that you have the opportunity to be with us. And uh, this morning, I think it is really fitting that we would be talking about influence in the context of what it is that Christ has done for us on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, one thing that I feel like I need to clarify before we begin is that the, the passage you just heard read, if you have received one of the journals with us, um, you'll notice something specific about the verses that I want to clarify. And if you haven't received one of these uh, journals, you can let us know and we'd love to mail one to you. But inside uh, that journal, you'll notice that there's two verses missing, verses 44 and 46. That's not an accident. It's not a misprint. It doesn't mean that the Bible's inaccurate or anything like that. In fact, it kind of contributes to the authenticity of scripture and this translation. Um, verses 44 and 46, and it's important that you realize the numbering system was added as the translations were done. So that's something that uh, man has added to scripture. And so those verses, the numbers specifically have been added. And so verse 44 and 46 uh, were actually not part of the original manuscript. They're a repetition of the, of the other verses in order to elevate its importance. And it was added by translators. So I think it's kind of cool that that was caught and that the authentic um, translation is what we have today. So that's why verses 44 and 46 are not in there. And uh, so we can go ahead and jump into the text and explain it a little bit as we're talking about uh, influence and heading into, like I mentioned, Resurrection Sunday. I thought of one story immediately right off the top of my head. Um, it was a story to goes back to my childhood. I was nine years old and I was camping. I used to camp a lot uh, as a kid, had a lot of fun heading out into the woods. I don't remember exactly where we were, uh, but my father and a friend of his, one of my friend's fathers, uh, decided to take a bunch of guys on a camp out. And so the thing that was unique about where we were camping is that we had to get into a canoe and we had to actually access this camping area by canoe only. It was the only way to get there. And there were some things that had kind of been overlooked. The number of people compared to the, the number of canoes that we had when we started to add in the weight of all of our stuff. And so there we are on the shore and we're trying to do the math of how it's possible to get to the campsite. And so all of a sudden um, people are kind of saying, you know what, we could just put everybody in that canoe and we could put all the stuff and my friend's dad in this canoe and he can get us across. Well, quickly we looked and said, we have too many people. That won't work. We need somebody to stay and, uh, and be with the, my friend's dad. And so uh, sure enough, he asks what everybody weighs. How much do you weigh? How much do you weigh? And most of the kids knew what they weighed, and then some of them didn't really know. And uh, just by looking at them, he could tell whether or not they could you know, make it or not with the equipment that we had. So sure enough, he looks at me, he says, how much do you weigh? I said, uh, I weigh nothing. I don't know. And not a lot. And he goes, you don't weigh more than 60 pounds, do you? And I was like, no, I don't weigh more than 60 pounds. <laughs> As if I had any clue whatsoever. I remember I was nine years old, like I said, and I was a rather short kid and a rather scrawny kid. So when he said that, I thought, yeah, not more than 60. And uh, so he's like, all right, then why don't we do this? We'll put everybody in the other canoe, some of the stuff you guys push off and I'll follow with Claude uh, with the rest of the gear. Okay, great. So they head off. 
he's putting stuff in the canoe and he's kind of muttering to himself as he's doing it. I didn't realize at the time what he was doing, uh, but what he was doing is he was taking each item and kind of feeling the weight of it. And he knew the weight limit of this canoe. And so he's kind of putting stuff into the canoe strategically. And he's even at times taking stuff that he thought is not that important, maybe because it weighed too much or it just didn't matter clutter wise. So he was putting stuff back in the truck as he's doing it. So it did not dawn on me at this point how critical the knowledge of my actual weight was. You probably know where this is headed. <laughs> in either case, he's uh, he's loads it all up and he says, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and take off now." I was like, "Okay." He goes, "Here's the deal. This canoe is basically bottomed out because of the weight, so I'm gonna go into the far end of the canoe, and then I'm gonna rock the weight. And once it releases, I want you pushing to help release it, and then you're gonna grab the oars and jump into the canoe." I'm like. Okay, no big deal. So, you know, take off shoes, roll up the pants, ready to push. So I'm standing in the water, I'm kind of pushing it. I'm not strong enough to push this thing. It's not kicking off. And so he's rocking it and everything we're going. And in a moment of brilliance, he rocks while I push. And sure enough, there it goes. I jump in, I have the two oars and I hand one off to him and it happens. The canoe just starts to sink. The water level comes up to the edge and he's looking at the sides and we can hear people kind of yelling across the water. Come on, you got it. You can make it. And uh, he's looking and then all of a sudden the water level blip drips over. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and he's like, kind of starts laughing. He's like, we got to go. I was like, okay. So we start rowing. He's like, no, no, don't row that fast. Don't make the water quake because the water's going to come into the boat. And so I was like, okay. So I start to kind of scoop some out. He's like, no, don't waste time getting water out. Like it's coming in. You just need to row. I was like, okay. So I start rowing and he starts laughing again. He goes, Claude. I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, you weigh more than 60 pounds, don't you? I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I had both the oars <laughs> as if they somehow put us over the limit. And so he just starts laughing harder and we start rowing as quick as we can. I share that story with you today because the question I want to ask as we move into the message is this, why do we minimize our impact? Like in that moment, I was like, it's probably the oars fault. It can't be me. Like I weigh nothing. There's no way I'm having an impact on the fact that we're sinking right now. Do I? I think this question about why we minimize our impact is actually kind of complicated. I think it's complicated because it could be really easy to conclude that we minimize our impact because of some form of like humility, you know, kind of like this aw shucks approach. Like, oh man, I don't really matter that much. I weigh nothing. I'm inconsequential. We can go ahead safely to the other side. I don't matter. But here's the thing. That's not reality. That's not reality. No, I think most of us minimize our impact for really one of two reasons. The first one is we believe a lie. We believe a lie that someone or maybe even ourselves have spoken to us that convinced us that we don't minimize, that we don't impact others, that we actually don't influence others, that we're insignificant, that we don't have a voice and that we don't have influence. I want to tell you, that is a lie. That's a lie. You have an impact in this world. Your one and only life matters. It matters. And I know that I can sit there and say, hey, that's a lie. But if you've been told it your whole life, or if you believe it in the core of who you are, obviously it runs deeper. And so this morning as we move through the text, I believe that the text is going to prove to you that that's a lie, that you do matter, and that you do have influence. But there's a second reason. The second reason is one that resonates with all of us on varying levels for sure, but every single one of us are guilty of this on some level. We minimize our impact 
so we can minimize our responsibility. Let me say that again. We sometimes minimize our impact so that we can minimize our responsibility. Think about it. If we aren't influencing an outcome, then we can't be to blame when things go wrong. If people start to get angry about a situation, we have the ability to say, well, I mean, I didn't really influence that. I didn't impact that. They're, they're angry at this other person. It's not my fault. I mean, the oars are kind of heavy, right? <laughs> no, here's the problem. And I've mentioned this before. We do not live static lives. We don't live static lives. Get this. You are either influencing people towards Jesus or you're influencing them away from Jesus. Christ follower or not, as a human being, as a person with air in your lungs, you're either influencing people towards Jesus or away from Jesus. You can't have a static, inconsequential life where you don't matter. No, you matter and you influence. We hate that. We hate it, right? We hate it because we don't want to bear the responsibility of it. We don't want that kind of responsibility, and so we attempt to minimize our impact. People will make their own decisions. I mean, it's my opinion, or it's just my thoughts. Today, as I already mentioned, is Resurrection Sunday. And so today, Christendom celebrates Jesus' victory over death and sin, over sin and the grave. That impacts your life. That impacts your life. Now, you might say, well, I don't think it impacts me. Like, it impacts the church people, or it impacts these people, or, or people that don't believe in Jesus. And, and we love to kind of navigate its level of impact. But I want to tell you, like it or not, you have to wrestle. You have to wrestle with whether or not Jesus died and had victory over death. You either have to declare that the entire story of resurrection is a lie, or you have to live like it's truth. You have to live like it's truth. In other words, we are influenced by the reality of who Jesus is and what it is that he has done. And then we are called to be influencers. Listen, whichever you choose impacts your life and influences every life in your sphere. What it is that you do with the person work of Jesus influences other people, like it or not, in your sphere, in your canoe. The people that are doing life with you, you're impacting their lives. And so you can try to minimize it. You can try to act like when you hop in that that doesn't matter, that you're just a person along for the ride. But the reality is you impact the way that canoe called life is going to move. Man, it's heavy, right? It's heavy. We don't often like to wrestle with the reality because we don't often like to wrestle with this idea of responsibility. But the truth is, it's what the text is about. In verse 42 says this, Jesus is speaking and he says this, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone if, I'm sorry, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Wow. <laughs> that is intense. Great millstone, like they had millstones to kind of grind up um, wheat 
And uh, a great millstone would be reference to one that only a donkey could turn. So we're talking about a ginormous millstone. And uh, in other words, it is very serious what Jesus is talking about. When it talks about little ones here, whoever causes one of these little ones, we have to remember the context because it could be really easy to think that this message, um, that this passage is more about Jesus speaking about children specifically. But if we remember the context of last week, although he is speaking about a child, the topic is clear from last week we established it. It's clearly people that can offer us nothing in return. So in fact, even if the context is kind of lost on us, the original Greek reveals that little ones, although it's inclusive of children, so it includes children, that it's not the word, the Greek word for children. In fact, the Greek actually means insignificant or unimportant one. So Jesus is saying, listen, this is, this is a really important thing for us to consider our influence on people that society even views as insignificant or unimportant. It's actually an affectionate term. Jesus is using it for his followers. So get this. Jesus is warning his disciples and us about influence, about influence. Listen, like it or not, as I've already mentioned, we will be held responsible and accountable for our actions and our inactions. We'll be held responsible because responsibility is attached to influence, like it or not. And listen, like I don't like it as much as you don't like it. In our culture, we, we don't like the idea of, uh, of influence when it has a negative connotation, but we love the idea when it has a positive connotation. Isn't that interesting? When it, when it bears some form of responsibility or consequence where, oh, my life doesn't matter. But when there's a benefit to it, it's like, listen, I'm an influencer. I mean, I don't know if you're on social media, but I'm an influencer. It's a thing. It's a thing. So I want to ask you, how are you influencing those around you? How are you influencing them? Not just with the words that you say, but the actions that you take. How do you live your life? I think often in our culture, as I've already mentioned, we can label influencer attached to like, you know, social media promotion and, and sales and, and product sales and all these things that we think on some level maybe matter. But the truth is, label or not, we all influence. And listen, Jesus didn't go to a cross for product sales. He didn't go to a cross for a political party, whichever one you align with. He didn't go to the cross for any other temporal thing. We have expectations on this plane, and God is trying to tell us, have greater expectations. Look up. Consider eternal things. Think about the greater implications of your influence on the lives of others. You know, you know this on some level, but we minimize our influence. I feel like I've said influence like 15,000 times already this morning. But it's important for it, for it to really sink in to who we are and what it is that we're doing, that we consider the implications. We gather today specifically to celebrate that Jesus went to a cross, not for temporal things, but to set us free from sin. To set us free so that we could live a new life, a new beginning. 
not shackled by our past, but set free by, by the work and person of Jesus Christ. A new beginning to influence afresh. You see, sometimes we carry the weight and the burden of how we've influenced people in the past into our current reality, and we're, we're bound by guilt. But Jesus says he makes all things new. So this isn't about the, the pain of yesterday or the implications. It's about what today forward looks like. How will you choose to influence from this day forward? Now, the temptation is to take this text to an extreme and to kind of browbeat yourself into thinking that, you know, if people choose sin, that it's your fault, that, that it's your fault that they sinned. And that's crushing. It results in ultimately us sometimes living in some fake plastic way, putting our best foot forward and, oh, no, no, oh, my goodness, I never get angry. No, I, I never do. You know, and you're like, mm, yeah, you do. You're going to murder people. Like you can see it bubbling up in people. I'm not saying repress your humanity. I'm not saying push down and pretend that you are not a sinner saved by grace. I'm not saying that at all. No, hear me. Jesus isn't saying that we're responsible for people's actions. He's saying that our influence makes us responsible to people. In other words, we have a responsibility to people, but not for them. They're going to make their own decisions. But it, you might look at this and say, but it says causes. Like it says whoever causes one of these to sin. I want to tell you the Greek here it, that's used for sin. It actually is where we get the English word for scandalize. And it means to stumble. So to sin or to stumble. So let's put it all together in context. If we're trying to wade through all the information that we've gathered, Jesus is saying, if you're a Christ follower, if you say that you're following me, live your life consistent and in line with the gospel because you're influencing people. Live your life in line with the gospel because you are influencing people. It doesn't mean be without sin, right? If we could solve our own salvation, then Jesus wouldn't have needed to come. No. Someone that lives in line with the gospel realizes that they have a struggle with sin in this earth, but that Jesus died to set them free. So therefore, when they do wrong, they repent. Living in line with the gospel doesn't mean living a perfect, fake version of your life. It means being authentic and saying, listen, I'm imperfect. And what I said to you yesterday, it was wrong. When, when, when I did this, I shouldn't have. It means owning our responsibility and not minimizing our impact, but rather taking responsibility for our influence. That's what Jesus is talking about. God takes our influence seriously. We need to have greater influence expectations. Centerway's mission is to cultivate a movement in which people become gospel-centered influencers in every sphere of life. That's what our mission is. That's why we exist as Centerway. So that means as a parent, as a student, as a daughter, as a son, as a spouse, as a single person, as a leader, as an employee, as a friend, an athlete, a musician, a coach, you name it. You see what I'm saying? In every sphere, in every canoe you hop in, in everywhere that you're living your life out, are you a gospel-centered influencer in that sphere? Because I want to tell you, you have been strategically placed. You've been strategically placed. 
Don't minimize your influence. And I want to tell you today, if you are not a follower of Jesus, you are part of this conversation strategically. Whether someone invited you or whether Jesus in some way uh, tapped on your heart and you pursued this audio or video, this is a divine appointment. This isn't about you attaching to a church. This is about Jesus loving you enough to hear this truth so that the Holy Spirit could influence your eternity and have an implication in the lives of those you impact every day of your life. Don't minimize your influence. Don't minimize that this is a divine appointment. I'll be honest, I'm guilty of being distracted by lesser things in my life. I get distracted by my expectations, by my opinions, by even my comfort. We are all way more sinful than we want to admit. And that's exactly what Jesus addresses next. He addresses it next in the following verses. Verses 43, he begins and he says, And, so he's adding to this, And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands go to hell to the unquenchable fire. Wow, that's intense. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell. Well, is that not just a happy verse to navigate through Easter morning, right? (laughs) What in the world is happening? I remember the first time I heard those verses as a kid, I was like, what? I've got to pluck my eye out? I have to chop a hand off? Something is happening in the text that's important to acknowledge. Jesus has just been talking about our external influence, and now he is shifting to address the internal roots that have gateways to the sin we engage in. The root source of the way we express that influence towards others, our eyes, what it is that we see, the things we choose to see with our eyes, our hands, what are the things we do, the choices we make, what are the things that we're responsible for that we've done, our feet, where is it that we go that we ought not go? Jesus is is turning the table a little bit and and looking from external to internal. And now these, I need to say, are hyperboles, okay? They're not literal. Jesus is not saying literally pluck your eye out, chop your hand off, or your feet. He's just not. And I know for a lot of different reasons, one that is the most obvious and kind of ends the argument is that Judaism is 100% against self-mutilation. So there is no way that Jesus would be telling people to self-mutilate. It just would not happen. So he's not speaking literally. Jesus is saying, take sin seriously. Take the actions that you make seriously because there's an influence, not only on the lives of others, but on your own soul. It impacts you. It impacts you. Take sin seriously. We need this warning, not so that we'll behave and and control our eyes and control our hands and be cautious of where we go, but that we'll be so deeply impacted by the gospel and the implications of the empty tomb that truth will influence our eyes and our hands and our feet, that we'll be transformed, that that God will make uh, the affections of our heart be focused on the things that bring life rather than death. We need to be transformed by the truth of the gospel. The empty tomb has implications this morning. It's not just a holiday to celebrate. The fact that Jesus lived a life that we could not live, died a death that we deserve, 
and then had victory over that death and victory over sin, it should influence our every, life, our every aspect of our life. In fact, verse 50 goes on and says this. He says, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Now, I've heard this talked quite a bit about, and, you know, salt is definitely uh, something that affects the flavor of anything. You add salt, you can tell right away. But in this day and at this time, salt was also a preservative. It was a preservative. So listen, salt by its nature is influential. You can't have salt in something and not have it influence the outcome, whether it means it changes its flavor or it preserves that item. And I want to tell you, the world is decaying around us. And Jesus is calling you today to follow him and join others as a gospel-centered influencer. Have salt. Have salt. Not only are we to be salty, sorry, but have salt in yourselves. So Jesus is saying, influence the world that I have strategically placed you in. Also, have salt in yourselves. So one more time, Jesus is reiterating, listen, there's external influence and there's also an internal influence of the implications of the truth of the gospel in your lives. And then he attaches that to say, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. That might seem like it's out of place, but if you really consider the context The disciples have just been arguing about who is the greatest. It's literally taken them off mission. And Jesus is now clarifying, listen, you guys are arguing and the world is watching. You're influencing people with the way that you interact, not only with the world you're in, but with one another. The influence impacts others. And so I love this verse because we are diverse. I love that Centerway is diverse. I do. I love that it's that, that when you walk in, you can't declare some political truth and just assume that everyone in the room agrees with you. I love that you, you can't have one mindset and assume that everybody else is the same. No, we are a diverse group of people, and that is the goal because all of us function in different spheres of influence, and it's important that the truth of the gospel would permeate because it's about eternal, not temporal. Who cares about politics? Who cares about all these different opinions? Now, I'm not saying that they don't matter in our lives. I'm saying that they are temporal things, and there is an eternal thing that is larger, that is greater. The mission the greater expectations of why it is that we live our lives. And so I love that even though we are diverse, we can lead, we can lead our lives in a way that links arms. Instead of, instead of our differences bringing about conflict, we can actually lean in and say, you know what? We're choosing to do life together. And so it's okay. It's okay that we disagree on this lesser thing because we agree on the greater thing. And so let's do life together. So as we contemplate the implications of the mission, we're in this canoe. You thought maybe I would end the story, right? You're wondering, am I still at the bottom of that lake? No, I'm not. (laughs) Spoiler alert, I survived. But there we are. And water is splashing over the sides. And he is laughing. 
and I am terrified because there is a lot of weight in this canoe. As you can imagine, canoes are not easy to sink, but we are well over the weight limit. And so he's paddling as fast as he can. And he's like, go fast, but not too fast. Like he's saying, the water's coming in over the side. And so we're going along, going along. I'm asking him questions and I'm looking over my shoulder because he's in the back and he's steering. And he's like, a little bit faster, a little faster. He looks at me and I remember this moment so clearly. He says, hey, Claude, Claude. And I'm like, so I like, stop. Like, yeah. And he goes, don't ever believe that your life doesn't matter. And I was like, what? (laughs) And he said, you are going to impact every room you walk into. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, your weight and your presence in this boat might mean that we actually sink today. (laughs) And I was like, what? Is this really the time for a life lesson? And he started laughing and he started rowing and he goes, all right, let's go, let's go. And he goes, hey, Claude. I go, what? He goes, you matter, you matter. (laughs) I was like, okay. I just remember it so much because it was like he's speaking into my life in this deep way as we're canoeing across this lake. And like I said, spoiler alert, we made it to the other side. There were some things floating in the canoe. It was kind of sketchy the way we had to land and quickly everybody pulled the canoe ashore. And, uh, and he looked, he said, you know what? When I asked you guys what you weighed, Claude said he weighs nothing. Turns out he weighs something. And he kind of like, you know, smacked me on the head and we all got a laugh. But I'm telling you that today because I want to let you know that the, the truth is you impact every room you walk into. You matter. You might minimize your weight in the room. You might minimize your voice in the canoe, but I want to tell you, you have been strategically placed in that sphere of influence for such a time as this. Do not minimize your voice because eternity is on the line. Live in line with the gospel. You know, as humans, we minimize our influence. We take sin lightly and we forget the mission. But, but, Jesus took sin seriously. He stayed focused on his mission. You see, because of Jesus Christ, we can have a greater influence and we can have greater influence expectations about what it is that he wants to do in and through our lives. The cross was a moment of victory and the empty tomb that we celebrate today is the, is the culmination of the evidence that Jesus had victory not only over death, but over sin as well. And so we need to live as though we believe that. We need to be influenced by the truth of the gospel and consider our influence of others. Realize the seriousness of sin and stay on mission because of what Jesus has done. That's how we reorient our heart and mind. We say every week that the text requires some, something of us. And so this week, I want to ask you this question. How will I respond to what Jesus has done? So what I want the application to be is, as we wrap up here, I want, you to be consider, I want you to be considering how will I respond to what Jesus has done? What am I going to do with this? If this is in fact true, am I living in a way that, that is evident to others, to every sphere that I walk into. For you this morning, 
Maybe the application is to respond by surrendering your life. Maybe you haven't come into relationship with Jesus. And so I want to give an opportunity. If you're here today and you're watching or, or listening and you're live, you can simply pray a prayer wherever you find yourself. Something like this, Lord, I'm a sinner, but you died for my sins. Would you come and forgive me of my sins and be the Lord and leader of my life? It doesn't have to be those exact words, but some prayer that just acknowledges your sinful nature, the reality of what Christ has done, and ask him to forgive you and be the Lord and leader of your life. In fact, if you've prayed that prayer and you are live with us, I want to encourage you to, to click uh, prayer, to request prayer. And if you do that, you'll go into a private chat with one of the hosts today, and they'll walk you through the next steps. Encourage you to do that. If you're listening or watching to this later, you can go to our website or you can even email us. We'd love to walk alongside you in this journey that you've chosen. If you've already crossed that line of faith this morning, I want to encourage you to consider the implications of, of responding to what Jesus has done by maybe being a discipler. Like if you are following Jesus, then what does influence mean? It means discipling others. Are you living your life in a discipling manner? Are you just a parent or are, are you choosing to disciple your children? Are you in a sphere of influence at work that where you just kind of disengage and minimize your impact when God has called you to be a discipler, to be an influencer in that circle? Is it time to maybe confess some sin because you've been taking sin lightly, but the implications are just tearing you apart and you're living your life outside of the, the richness of the truth of the gospel? I want to challenge you wherever you find yourself to respond to what Christ has done. For others of you that have the natural rhythm of accountability and considering the, the sphere of influence you're in, maybe it looks like staying on mission in a unique way, thinking innovatively about what it is that God has led you to, to do or to be in whatever sphere you find yourself in. I just want to spend a moment here to, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what it is that he would have us to do. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just we come before you available, available to respond to what it is that you have done. Father, the areas of our life that, that maybe we've believed a lie, we just pray that you would uproot that lie, that we would acknowledge the value that we have so that we could join you on mission instead of minimizing our influence. Lord, I pray that whatever it is that you are calling us to do, that we would move forward, not because of our own expectations or our own desired income uh, outcomes, but because of what it is that you have planted in our hearts and mind, that we would be motivated by the truth of the gospel and respond to that which Jesus has done for us, for your glory and our joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Excited to be with you again next week as we continue in our Greater Expectations series. We'll see you then. What a great Resurrection Sunday together. And it's not over yet. For one, we get to apply this text all throughout the week. And what a perfect application question to end with today. How will I respond to what Jesus has done? Spending time considering this question and responding to Jesus is worship. 
Yeah, for sure. One of the ways we can respond to the text in worship is through singing. We're excited today to worship with you live on Facebook or Instagram. We will be joining the in-person gathering at their location. And because it's a live gathering, we don't have an exact time that worship will begin. So hold tight and watch for Centerway to go live on Facebook or Instagram. If you're connecting at a later time, you can still worship by singing along with the video posted on Facebook or with the songs on Spotify. Just search Spotify for Centerway Church and look for the Greater Expectations playlist. For those gathered on the online platform, we'll see you live on Facebook or Instagram shortly. Happy, Happy Easter, Easter, everyone! everyone.